Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... you ever a little inconsistent in your performance in life? You ever have a good day and a bad day and a really, really bad day? You ever have inconsistent motivations? Well, the good news is God is not like that at all. Perhaps you've seen people, if you've been around Christianity any length of time, people, they come forward, oh, you know, I, I want to become a Christian. I want to become a Christian. And in a few weeks, they're out. They're out. Why? Because they came forth in the power of their own will not in the power of God. There can be something good going on inside of you, even though the world outside of you is spinning out of control. Today, Pastor Jim wants you to know happiness depends on circumstances, joy depends on God. No matter how you come into the kingdom of God, your story is a testimony of God's grace. Friend, wherever you're at in life, when you hear God's voice, don't try to fight Him because you'll lose. Stop being exhausted and start being energized. Surrender your life to Him now. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 as we join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, Joyful Assurance. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message, but for now, here's Pastor Jim. Well, we all know the feeling of starting a job or a project, and then somehow we get off doing something else. So instead of finishing the project, the project is sort of just there, And our conscience reminds us that we have to do it, or sometimes our spouse (laughs) reminds us, or our boss, or somebody reminds us about some unfinished business we have. Perhaps a little more grating on us is when someone else says they will do something for us, right? (laughs) Then all of a sudden we become high and mighty, and they said they would do it, and they don't finish it, and it, it grates on our nerves. Some of us have had the experience of having someone in a construction business or a project of some sort, maybe on your house, where you realize they're jockeying 40 jobs at the same time, now that they have everybody's down payment. (laughs) There are a few people who, when you give them a project to do, you can count on them to finish it. Maybe you know somebody like that. You know that that if they say that they're going to start something, that they are indeed going to follow it through all the way to completion. And so let me ask you, what about God? What about God? Now, some of you would say, Pastor Jim, that is a dumb question, especially since I've been coming here for a long time, and you say repeatedly that God is the only one who gets his to-do list done every day. Obviously, he gets everything done. But what I'm talking about is not does God get everything he needs to do done in the world, What I'm asking is, does God get everything done regarding you? Will God finish the work in you? Now, most Christians, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you good Christian people go, oh, yes, Pastor Jim, yes, of course I believe that. The Lord is always at work. So how's life going? Oh, it's horrible. I don't know what God's doing, right? That's the way we tend to be. But if we really think about it, what we're going to this morning That experience will lead us to the title of this morning's message, 
joyful assurance. Joyful assurance. And what does it mean to have assurance? To have assurance is to have full confidence that you know something beyond a reasonable doubt. And it's hard to have full assurance in people, isn't it? And so, but joyful assurance is the joyful assurance that God will finish what he has started. Now, here in the book of Philippians, which we have, uh, this is our third week. We're only up to verse six. We're not doing so well, are we? Remember, I told you, though, chapter one is the slowest chapter of all of them. And the Apostle Paul is in jail. He's writing a letter to the church in Philippi, northern Greece, part of the Roman Empire that he founded 10 years ago. And life, he's in jail, so that's not going so well, is it? Not, didn't do anything wrong, just couldn't figure out what to do with this guy who's going around preaching the gospel and people are becoming Christians and churches are popping up all over the place, so well, why don't we just throw him in jail and figure out what we're supposed to do with this kind of guy? We don't have laws, I guess, for this kind of stuff. And life is undoubtedly getting hard for the Philippian church, the church in Philippi. They are living under the Roman Empire and the church is no longer under the radar. Now there, people are becoming Christians in quite large numbers. And so the Apostle Paul, they had sent a gift to him, and he's writing, if you will, a thank you note. And at the beginning of this thank you note, one of many we're going to encounter in this book, he writes a life-changing verse, which we read, but we'll read it again. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing. What's he confident of? That he, we know it's God, we said last week, because it's, he was thanking God. So his confidence is in who? In God. So being confident of this very thing, that he, God, who has begun a good work in you, we talked about it last week, that the context of the letter is the church in Philippi, and they were, the good work that started was the good news, took root in them, began to grow in them, and they began to then share with others in the community. This week, we're going to look at it more from an individual perspective and for people who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, not Christian on the census, but in the sense that they have turned to God and put their trust in Jesus, that he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this verse, properly understood, can joyfully carry a Christian. Remember the word that was used two weeks ago, if you're with us, was the word saint. Two types of people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. That's it. There's no in-between that we're either followers of Christ or we're not. Saints are not some highbrow people who are holier than thou. They are all the people who have been made saints, made holy, made set apart by God. We'll be talking about that today. But this verse, properly understood, can carry that person who has turned to God, put their trust in Jesus, all the way to heaven with joy. Now notice I didn't say happiness. I said joy, that there can be something going on inside of you, even though the world outside of you is spinning out of control. Because you know that God, as we're going to talk about today, is at work. Now, improperly understood, this verse will make it very easy for you to give up. If you associate uh, the God of the Bible with the God of the American dream, which a lot of Christians make the mistake of, it won't work for you. So if you want to have everything go well all the time, and it's not going well for you all the time, you're going to give up and you're going to go, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. And it's really because your belief system was off, not that, not that God was off. If you take this verse for granted, it'll be very easy for you to give in. 
Did you ever meet someone who says they're a Christian? It could be you. I'm, not, I'm just not picking on anybody in particular. They, they say they're a Christian, and then they just flagrantly sin. They don't care, and then they say something to you like, well, I'm just a work in progress. What joy, <laughs> right? So we have to be careful how we understand this. But properly understood, it will be much easier for us to give all to the best of our ability with God's help to the Lord and not some exhausting, I'm just serving the Lord kind of thing. But as we'll talk about later, to actually be energized in serving God in the sense that serving God is everywhere, everywhere. For most of you know, for many years, I owned a business and was involved in the daily grind, if you will, of the business. And people say, it must be different for you being a pastor. And I'm like, it's not that much different. I mean, that I hoped in the business world that, that I conducted my business, failed a lot of times, but, but tried in the sense of being a Christian man, that it was an expression of my faith. And it didn't really change for me when I became a pastor. I just, now I, I study the Bible more. I did then a lot, but I study the Bible more. But living for God and not being exhausted by it, but rather energize it and an expression of an inner joy. Not always easy, not always there. One of the reasons I'm convinced that God made me into a pastor was because I need to be constantly reminded of God's grace. (laughs) And so I have to study it every week. So if you're taking notes, three things we want to look at this morning. And again, we're looking at it, we're taking it out of the context, we're putting it in in more of an individual sense, because a church is made up of people, the community of God's people, but individuals as well. And, and so the first, if you're taking notes, the first point is God's work in you had a beginning. God's work in you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're not, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here because it will have a beginning. We'll talk about that in a second. But God's work in you had a beginning. So he says, being confident, remember a guy in jail writing to people who maybe things are getting a little tough right now. Some of your versions say, I am sure of this. He's confident in God's ability of this very thing that he who has begun, you might want to circle that word begun in your Bible, a good work in you. Let's stop right there. The word begun is very, very important. It literally means to inaugurate. So you know when the the president gets inaugurated, all right? He wasn't the president, but now he's the president. There's an event that happens. It is a decisive moment in history that in which it began. And for an individual, that is the moment of salvation. That is the moment of forgiveness of sins. When somehow the miraculous call of God to come to him and you're coming to him, they actually meet and God changes everything in your life you become what the Bible calls born again. The spirit of God comes to live inside of you. So it's an inauguration. In the Philippians church, it started, we said already, in Acts chapter 16, if you want to read it for your homework, when the apostle Paul was out telling people that if you wanted to have the forgiveness of sins, by the way, that's what Christianity is about. That's what Christianity is about, that the forgiveness of sins is only possible through Jesus. A lot of people are going to tell you it's about being a good person. It's about, you know, fundraisers. It's about bingo. It's about everything under the stars. 
No, it's about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is traveling with his cronies, his gang, his posse, and they're going through the Roman Empire, and they're telling people, if you want to get to heaven, if you want to have the forgiveness of sins, you need to believe, which means to trust in God who became a man, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death on the cross, and rose from the dead. And that's how God will receive you. And then Acts chapter 16, verse 16, beautiful statement, it says, and the Lord opened up Lydia's heart, one of the people who was listening to the things that were said. So if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, uh, this is the only way to get to heaven. This is it. People say, well, you have to just be a good person. Then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Realize that makes no sense at all. You say, do I have to be a bad person? In a sense, you have to realize you are a bad person that we are all self-centered, that we are all selfish, that our natural bent, we'll talk about this in a bit, is to be, if you will, anti-God. And so the only way to get to heaven is to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is to have God open your heart to the things that are said through God's word. This is not, the Bible's not some book we drag into each century. It is a book that just keeps moving with time, and time is moving with the Bible, And then you respond to what you have heard and you put your trust in Jesus. So when did it start? Well, the Philippian church started 10 years ago. So that was a definite start. But what about if you're here today and you're a Christian? When did your salvation start? Do you know when it started? Now, some of us will say, I know the day, I know the time. Others are like, well, I just, you know, I don't know. But around here, it's usually like, well, Pastor Jim, I've been coming here for six months. I'm like, oh, great. And they're like, you know, when I got here, I was chasing chicks, doing drugs, you know, ripping people off of my business. And now I don't do any of that. I read my Bible, I pray, I'm serving God out in the parking lot. They're like, am I a Christian? I'm like, it sounds like you might be, brother, right? So that's how it happens with with a lot of people. God, there was a definite period, but somehow God has changed you from the inside out. But here's when I can tell you when it started. Listen to this, Ephesians 1.4. Just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that just means to be separated from God, and without blame, does that mean we never sin? No, it means that somebody else took our blame. Jesus took our blame on the cross before him in love. Now, again, you might just want to jot in your notes, Ephesians 1.4, and I want you to, for your homework, go back and read it this week, and I want you to circle three words that I have, <laughs> I don't know what to do with. It says, he chose us. I don't know whether to cry. I don't know whether to laugh. I don't know whether to say, are you kidding? (laughs) I don't know what to do. I have no category for understanding the fact that God chose me. I can't even fathom it. Now you might say, well, didn't you choose God? I did. Why did you choose God? Because he chose me. How did that work? I don't know, but I'm sure glad he did. I'm sure glad he did. But don't miss the obvious that here we see that God began a good work in all committed followers of Jesus Christ. It was his will, it was his plan, because he chose you. Now, you say, well, I'm not a Christian. Where does that leave me? Today, you can come to him in faith, and you'll know. And you'll know. I've said many times before that my whole life, I grew up thinking that there was something special about me. 
And then I became a Christian and I realized what it was. It was like the burden of trying to be special came off me. <laughs> right? So I realized that God considered me special because I was one of his children. And this is very important for us to realize that God does the work. Why? Any of you ever get moody? Any of you ever a little inconsistent in your performance in life? You ever have a good day and a bad day? And a really, really bad day? You ever have inconsistent motivations? Well, the good news is God is not like that at all. Perhaps you've seen people, if you've been around Christianity any length of time, people, they come forward, oh, you know, I, I want to become a Christian, I want to become a Christian, and in a few weeks they're out. They're out. Why? Because they came forth in the power of their own will not in the power of God. And so maybe today you would feel like God is drawing you, this strange drawing. I pray that you will listen as we continue to go on. Now we tie this to verse five. Verse five, we learned this last week, that the Philippians had been continuing, even though the apostle was in jail, in the fellowship or the partnership in the gospel. They were interested in the work of God, in the word of God, in the person of God being known in their community. They cared that other people heard about Jesus. And what did that prove to the apostle? That proved that the good work had begun in them. Now, if you're here today and you are a Christian, can you tell me how that good work began? For some of you, you were raised in the church. And ever since you were a little kid, you, you remember that this has just been it. I just, I just remember. And, and, you know, you should be thankful for that. Others, maybe you're raised in the church, but you went the prodigal route. You had that season where you thought you knew better than God. And then all of a sudden, when you realized the world owed you nothing, slammed in the side of the head like the prodigal son, everybody loved him when he was buying the drinks, but nobody loved him when he ran out of money. And now you've come back. But you realize not only did you come back to God, but God came back to you because he was a loving father waiting for you. Perhaps some of you, you came into the kingdom relatively easy. I don't know many of you, but you came into the kingdom relatively easy. You were just like, hmm, I think I want to believe. I think I want to find out what's going on. I want to hear more stuff about this. I want to learn the Bible. I want somebody to explain it to me. And you just showed up and you came and now you're a follower of Jesus. Ah, but many of you, and I don't know why I think this is why God has called me into the ministry, but many of you came in kicking and screaming. That's me, right? Like a raccoon who spills over the garbage can, dragging the food away. God, that's the way God took me into the kingdom of heaven. He had to knock me over, then pull it out, pull out what was any decency, I guess, and drag me down the road into the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you're here and you don't have the war stories that I have for the first 29 years of my life. You know what, that's what some people call them, but they're really stories of shame. They're stories of knowing that the things that I was doing that was wrong and not really caring about God, but coming to the conclusion, coming to the place that God actually cared about me. Why would God care about me? Because he's loving, he's not moody, he's not performance-based, he's grace-based, and he just simply loves God people. So no matter where you have come in to the kingdom of God, you have a testimony of God's grace. And if you have not come into the kingdom of God, that opportunity is waiting at the door of your heart. Perhaps you're here today and you're beginning to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, Please don't try and fight him. 
like those of us dragged in, you realize you will lose. It's kind of like going up against a sumo wrestler when you weigh 110 pounds. It's just not going to happen. You will lose. You will be exhausted. But please, please, friend, don't believe the lie. You say, what's the lie? The lie is that you have to begin the good work. Don't believe that. You're even here today because God is at work. Nice day to sleep in, but God is at work. And please don't believe the lie that you have to fix yourself up before you come to God. That is just anti-Bible. It is completely false. And if you believe that, you will never make heaven. No, friend, God begins the good work. You don't have to be good enough. You just have to be humble enough to realize that you need help. So God's work in you can have a new beginning today. Simply give in to God and give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not ready, I would encourage you not just to make this the only day you came, but to keep coming, to keep listening, and to keep hearing the voice of God call out to you. Well, number two, after telling us that God's work had a beginning, the point when they began to believe, and again, this is for followers of Jesus Christ. This is a letter written to church people. Uh, Number two, God's work in you will always continue. God's work in you will always continue. Now, I got lost in this in the last service, and I almost think that I'm going to get so lost here again that I probably will never get to point three, so don't worry about it. Um, Because here's the point in time where I don't necessarily think this is the most important part, but I think this is the part where most Christians fall, stumble, or struggle with. That God's work in you will always continue. Again, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very good thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. Dare I say that if you understand this concept, this will revolutionize your concept of God. This will dramatically change your Christian walk. Now, let's just say what this verse is not, and this concept is not. This is not an excuse for sin. This is not an excuse for laziness. Rather, this is a positive statement of the Holy Spirit's continuous work in the life of a believer. Do we understand it? God didn't save you and then just put you out on your own. He has promised to continue to save you. We use the illustration many times before of let's say you're drowning and you know, somebody throws you a life preserver. That's, that's your salvation. God saved you. Well, then you get on the boat. You still gotta go to shore. If you're out in the middle of the ocean, God is saving you. You've been saved, but he's saving you. And then when you get on the shore, you have been saved. And so here's what we have here. Now we've been plucked out of the water. Jesus has the lifeguard has saved us, right? And now we're on the boat and we're being taken to the shore. We're being taken to heaven. And so one thing we have to realize when we read the Bible, and you have to read the Bible, you just can't come here. You have to read it. And one thing, if you read it carefully, especially in the Old Testament, which a lot of people avoid, is that God doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't let his people go. He is hard-pressed to gather a group of people to perfect his people in Jesus Christ, and that is meant to give his people joyful assurance. In other words, I can be assured I'm going to heaven because I know that God is at work in my life. Now, very few Christians experience this. Very few Christians experience this, and uh, sadly to say that most who try and say they do, most people think, He's full of baloney. (laughs) 
because we don't understand some basic concepts that I get the feeling like if we could review them every week, that it would be fine, that we would really come to a, a greater appreciation of what grace is and of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Well, that concludes the teaching portion of today's broadcast of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Moores Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Join us next time as Pastor Jim continues teaching through the book of Philippians. You can learn more about Changed by Love and Pastor Jim by visiting our website. The web address is changedbyloveradio.com. Again, the web address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love exists because of the generous donations of our listeners, and we would like to ask all of our listeners who have never written us to preferably consider writing us today and let us know that you are listening to the broadcast. In fact, many of your letters are read to our congregation to encourage them in this ministry. You can write to us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You can also give us a call for more information, request resources, or for prayer at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. You can also send us an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you are in the Morris County, New Jersey area, we would love to have you visit us. We are located in the center of Morris County on Route 15 South. That's all for today. Until next time, God bless you, and our prayer is that you too would be changed by love.